The following program was pre-recorded on WFAN. It's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with you for the next 30 minutes having an open, frank, honest conversation about gambling addiction and us addicts, uh, compulsive gamblers. Joining me as always from Epic Risk Management is our pal Dan Trelaro. Danny, good morning. How are you? I'm great, Craig. Good morning. Happy Easter weekend. Yeah, Easter weekend indeed. Uh, good chance to be with family and get into the spring, no doubt about that. Joining us today from Columbus, Ohio is Mike. Mike is a compulsive gambler like myself and Dan. Mike, good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning, guys. Great. How you doing today? Good. Really appreciate you coming on. When was your last wager, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, it actually was last week on the Masters, so uh, I'm, I'm definitely not anti-gambling, uh, but I, I'm interested to talk with you today about my story, um, and uh, and we'll obviously spend some time getting into that. Yeah, sure. So last week you wagered on the Masters. Was that have you been wagering regularly uh, for the last number of months and years, or were you uh, abstinent from gambling and then woke up one day and said, "Let me bet on golf." No, I'd say it's probably once a quarter I, I place a sports bet. All right. I, do you view yourself as a compulsive gambler? Uh, in the past. All right, so this is interesting. You'll be the first guy, I think, Dan, we've ever had on the show who is a compulsive gambler but has decided to continue to gamble. How do you reconcile those two things? Well, and, and that's why I think it was great to have Mike on. I had the privilege of meeting Mike back in, in February uh, at a conference, and we were kind of chatting, and he was kind of almost at the crossroads. And Mike and I were talking, like, don't know if I have a problem, not really sure. You know, sometimes it feels, sometimes it may not feel. And I think what's great about Mike and having you on today, Mike, is the fact that you can start to see things within yourself that some life events happened and you recognize them quickly, and you're really keenly aware of what those are and how life events can make a person escape to the world of gambling. So whether or not you consider yourself a compulsive gambler or not is, is one question versus someone who started to see it going down a path and said, hold on, let me reel it in a little bit. Yeah, you're, you're right. And this is interesting because normally we talk to people who have kind of come through it all and out the other side and are no longer gambling and speak to that. So you're actively gambling still which uh, I think will be fascinating. Let me back the truck way up and go back to when it started. Is there a point in your life where you believe gambling was problematic for you? Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. I, uh, so I would say that started in late college um, or shortly thereafter. I think, you know, college for me, I was a college athlete. I played golf um, for a D3 school here in Ohio. Um, I, you know, started to get into fantasy sports, you know, master's pools or um, college March Madness pools. Um, and from there, it just became normalized, right? And um, that turned into living a life, you know, connected to a bookie. Um, and, and, you know, once a month bets turned into once a week, turned into multiple bets per day. Um, and And that's really where the seed was kind of planted and it started to become normalized. And, um, you know, it was fun. And, and I was somebody that grew up uh, with Cleveland Indians season tickets. I was 
you know, just an absolute sports fanatic. And so to me, this was part of the normalization of sports betting and, and the normalization of the sporting experience for me. So that seed was planted, I'd say, in late college um, or shortly thereafter college, but it really didn't become a problem until um, I became a new dad and uh, all types of emotions and new responsibilities, you know, life just became more overwhelming than I expected. And, uh, you know, sports betting on my phone was an easy escape. Got it. So you do, so you do view it the way a lot of compulsive gamblers view it, which was gambling provided you an outlet that you otherwise didn't have to, whether it's hide from emotions, deal with the reality of life, whatever it may be, gambling made you feel good. Yeah? Absolutely. And it became an everyday type of thing or it was an occasional thing? How, when you look back on your life when, you, when your child was first born? Yeah, I would say... Uh, it was it was a daily uh, a daily habit. All right, and did did it bring about financial problems, emotional problems, relationship problems, or no? Yeah, it was more uh, mental health and in relationship problems. Uh, you know, I saw myself being more anxious and on edge. You know, riding the waves of a win and a loss, or you know, being a little more irritable when a when a game might be on and somebody needed my attention. Um, so my mental health was was definitely impacted. And then from a relationship standpoint, both both as a parent and uh, as a as a husband, you know, it had impacts there as well. I think, you know, the the words are kind of burned in my brain from from my son. I think he was three at the time. And, and for the first time, he said, you know, Daddy, play with me. Um, and not only was that the first time that he used those words, but the context was basically you know, we're in the basement and I've got a game on and I'm checking my phone and lines and stats and all that stuff and basically doing anything except paying attention to him. And to me, that was the first time that I said, Mike, this, this, this is directly conflicting with your ability to be a quality parent and something needs to change. And from there, um, you know, I really started to just do research about, you know, what children need, how to, how to help them thrive. And my gambling behavior was conflicting with, <laughs> with what my kids needed. So you, you were basically so, in a place where a lot of us were, and I always use it as the Mr. Mom movie line, which is that even when you're here, you're not here. So you were, exactly. fi- you were physically there, but you weren't mentally there. You weren't emotionally there. And while, yeah, daddy was there, you know, you were distracted by something else. You got it. Got it. And what's amazing to me is that you decided to, you became aware of this behavior and how you were feeling about, you know, being a dad and spending time with your kid and tried to, what, self-diagnose it? Is that a fair way to put it? I would, I would say so. I, I, I have been working with a, uh, a counselor, though, just in general, you know, the, the new parent uh, <laughs> overwhelm, I guess I'll call it. Sure. And so that's helped me work through and, and identify some of these issues as well. How long did it take you to uh, actually, you know, whether it's look in the mirror, say to your wife, say to a buddy, hey, I think gambling's a problem? Oh, man. Uh, 18 months, probably maybe two years. Wow. And was wow. there a, 
kind of come to Jesus moment, a bottom of the barrel, you know, situation, uh, a bet you lost, a financial issue. Do you remember why you think, uh, looking back on it now, how you came about that? I, I, it wasn't a financial loss. It was more, um, you know, I'm, I, I work in financial services and I'm a very, you know, budget conscious type of person. And so, you know, having to look my wife in the eye and talk about, you know, a monthly budget at the same time that I'm, uh, you know, betting, I don't know, 50 or a hundred dollars on a sporting event each day. I just couldn't look myself in the mirror anymore. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that was my bottom of the barrel moment. And so what did you do? You came clean to your wife and said, Hey honey, I got to share something with you. I've been wagering out of control or how did that go? Yeah, it wasn't so much. Yeah. I mean, more or less, more or less. Got it. How did she react to it? Was she aware, like, hey, I know there's something going on, or was she totally dumbfounded by it? No, she she knew. She knew. And that and that was part of the um, you know, the tension that was caused in the marriage is that, you know, um, you know, she knew that was going what was going on and, and I kinda had this lush fund on the side and um she didn't really know how much was being wagered or what was going on, but um you know, there was there was definitely tension uh, between us from kind of hiding this little. So pardon, pardon me for asking this, and I appreciate your honesty here and sharing your story. And I'm going to skip over a, a lot of your life here just for a moment because it's on my mind. If if you have you have this you know, marital tension and issues, obviously because of of gambling. I imagine she's aware that you started to gamble again, albeit maybe not the same regularity or amounts of money or times a year. I would imagine that she had to have said to you, what are you doing? Like, didn't we go down this road already? Isn't this a bad thing for us? Yeah, I think it's, it's an, it's an ongoing conversation for sure. Um, but I think there's trust, uh, between us now that, that it's much more under control and, uh, and, you know, I've, I've kind of addressed the, the core problem and, and it's, I'm not using it as an emotional escape anymore. It's, it's more of that entertainment. God, I'm going to stop you there, Dan, before we take the break. You know, it's, it's interesting. And I'm so glad Mike joined us today because, yeah. you know, for a lot of people, when we talk about compulsive gambling, it's an immediate, well, you got to go to GA. And the reason I've always said on the show, while we're very supportive of GA and the concept of it, that we don't espouse any particular belief on this show of how you can get healthy and overcome, you know, the addiction. Um, GA believes it's uh, you never gamble ever again, period, stop. It's unwavering. There are others, of course, that believe, like Mike, that if you can figure out the underlying, you know, reason that you might, you know, gamble in an unhealthy manner, that some guys can gamble again. And I, you know, you know, your the way you live your life, the way I live my life, you know, is not how we necessarily need to invoke an overall belief on this show. But I imagine you've come across people like Mike, and I wonder in your experience, you know, both personally and now professionally, how you react to somebody like Mike, who admittedly is gambling again, albeit in a recreational, more responsible manner. I mean, we could almost have an hour discussion. I wish we had more time today because the reason I I just have enjoyed meeting and speaking to Mike for so long is because he he detects things early on because it seems like he has good sense of self-awareness. And so as soon as he realized that, yeah, there was a major life event change, you know, birth of a child, 
change of a job, moving to a new home, any of those things are major life event changes. And if we don't have the right tools or coping mechanisms, we might turn to alcohol or gambling as a form of escape. And what Mike basically has shown is that he's so well aware of it that there's conversation with his wife, there's open dialogue and communication. He's no longer using gambling as an escape from life's problems. And that's critical because it almost shows that it doesn't just have to be GA and abstinence. It could be harm reduction. It might be that Mike maybe just went through a season or an episode that he used gambling temporarily as an escape, but he's not a a long-term or diagnosed as a disordered gambler. It could have just been an episodic uh, interval. And so it's a really uh, interesting conversation to have that he's so well aware of what he's doing, and now he's taking steps to make sure it's a form of entertainment. But the question will be, when the next curveball comes in life, how how does gambling fit into the picture then, and what tools has Mike acquired during that time to use them instead of gambling? We'll stop it right there. Quick break. Uh, Mike joins us from Ohio, and, of course, Dan Trelaro, Epic Risk Management. This is Hello, My Name is Craig. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to Hello, My Name is Craig. Happy to have Dan Trelaro with Epic Risk Management and Mike, who's a recovering sports gambler from Columbus, Ohio, who has returned to gambling. And I want to be very clear about that. You know, Mike's story is unique to Mike, uh, as every compulsive gambler's story is. And while there's a lot of commonality in how compulsive gamblers process gambling, you know, each person's path to recovery is a very individual type thing. So, Mike, I want you to take me back. Once you kind of overcame and figured out, you know, what the trigger was uh, with uh, you being a parent, how long was it until you did return to gambling? And what was the very first thing you gambled on, if you don't mind me uh, asking? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't recall what the first bet would have been after. Um, But I'd say I took a good... 12 to 15 month break. Um, so I think, you know, earlier we talked about from the, from the moment that I realized it was, it was a problem. I think it was a solid 12 to 18 months before I openly admitted it to my friends and family. And then from there, I took about a 12 month break, um, from gambling before I then as you mentioned, that's kind of returned in more of a uh, an entertainment type uh, right. way. And so I guess the obvious question is, you know, in that period of time that you didn't gamble, I imagine you felt pretty good, life was pretty good, you didn't necessarily miss it. Was there any part of you during that time that was craving it or did miss it and was kind of chomping at the bit Boy, I, I'm going to gamble again. I'm just not sure when that type of thing. I I'd be lying if I said uh, if I said no. I mean, especially as you know, things are legalized across across America. Um, you know, lines are on ESPN all day, and show you know, there's betting shows now. I see it everywhere, and it's it is. You know, my mind is analytically oriented, and um, you know, I it's it's impossible not to think about lines and odds and whether you think they're you know accurate or not i'd be lying if i said i didn't think that way 
So you, you, you view it almost uh, like it's a job type of thing. Like you want to see, is there value in a line? Is the line accurate? Hey, I'm a, I'm a, you, know, you played uh, college golf. You, know, you said you wagered on the Masters. So you're now wagering, it seems like, from a place of knowledge where you think you know something about a particular sport as opposed to the way a lot of compulsive gamblers are, and that is, well, there's a game tonight. I know nothing about it, but I'm putting money on it. I'd say, you know, I, I I mentioned it probably once a quarter I'm placing a bet. I'd say you're accurate in saying that if, you know, I'm I'm probably not going to just throw a random bet out there unless I have, you know, I feel I have an edge or some, right. some sort of and, <laughs> and again, I appreciate your honesty here. Do you tell your wife before you make a wager? Like, did she know you had money on the Masters? Uh, I didn't, she does not know about like every individual bet. No, but she knows that I am active in, in gambling again. Yep. Would she be pissed? Would it like have a, would there be a relationship problem if she found out, Oh, you bet on these three events I didn't know about, or are you guys in a good place regarding that? No, I think, I think there's trust. And, um, you know, we went through kind of a, a dark phase and there's trust that, um, there was some awakening there and, and some greater self-awareness now that, there's trust that I'm going to do it in a responsible way. Got it. And I guess you know Dan brought something up, so let me just ask it directly. Are, do you have any concern that if another life-altering moment happened, that you'd be in a good enough place where you would not turn to gambling as you did, you know, years ago? Yeah, I think it's a great question. Um, I I feel today that I'm in a really good place, and I I don't feel like it would be a threat, but. Um, you know, things are pretty good right now. So I, I, I sure would hope so. And, and let me just say this for people that are listening. Uh, you know, walk people through what life was like for you when you uh, finally came to terms with having a problem. Because we do have a lot of young people listening that, you know, are going to you know, start gambling for the first time, that are going to exhibit a lot of the same kind of traits and behaviors that you live through. And if you had a message to those people in regards to how much better life is, when you're not consumed with wagering, what would you say to those guys? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, it's just, it's in, in the way it's be, being embedded in the sporting experience today, it's, it's coming across as fun and just part of the experience. And the problem I have with that is before you know it, you blink and you've lost 500 bucks or, you know, whatever amount of money is meaningful to you. Yeah. And you're pissed. You know, and it's just, it's, it can be a fun activity, but you got to realize that it, it can't have some, some harm. And if you're not aware of what you're getting into, it can quickly turn. And, and then your, you know, your, your psychology starts to work against you and um, you might start chasing and, and it, it can quickly spiral. So I think you just got to know the nature of the industry that you're getting into before you, before you start. Right. An informed gambler is the best gambler, no doubt. Well, Mike, listen, I really appreciate you taking time to talk to us this morning. I think your story will resonate with a lot of people and yeah. uh, thank you for joining us. I uh, appreciate it very much. Likewise. No problem. Thanks guys. All right. Take care. Thanks, Mike. So Dan, that that's an interesting uh, person to talk to. I'm glad you brought him to the show today because every other you know, compulsive gambler we've talked to no longer gambles and you wears it as I do. And as you do as a badge of honor, 
you know, when our last wager was, and he's actively back to gambling, albeit, you know, his uh, his admission to us, you know, every couple months, not a daily basis, but, you know, there are a lot of people like him, yeah? Yeah, you know, I think Mike is that wave of people that we're going to start, and I would love to hear more from. I think it's that person who was that social, recreational gambler who starts towing the line along that continuum to that at-risk and problem gambling. And, you know, that's a growing segment of the population. As gambling expands, more people are trying it out for the first time. Like Mike said, more people are using sports betting because they're seeing the marketing, the commercials, thinking that, oh, this is pretty easy. I think having him on highlights a lot of what maybe our listeners are going through, Craig, where they're not sure if it's a problem. Maybe it's starting to cause some relationship issues. You know, they're really not sure what to do with it. He's right in that sweet spot where I think a lot of our listeners and a lot of people are starting to get to. Yeah, and I think what's important is that you know, maybe you're not where I was or where you were. Maybe you're like Mike, where, you know, taking a break from it for a period of time kind of lets yeah. you get your act together, figure out what's going on, and then you return to it in a in a healthier manner. And, you know, that, that should be part of the conversation, too. You know, it's not, you know, one size fits all when it comes to recovery. It's just right. interesting to hear a guy who acknowledges, listen, I had a problem. I know why I had a problem. I shut it down for a couple of years, and now I feel like I'm mature enough to uh, get back into it on a much more recreational, responsible manner. And I think those stories are important here also. Yeah, and it, and it reminds me of that guest we had a couple months ago who said, you know, I don't think I had a gambling problem. I had a life problem. Right. And Mike is just echoing that because, you know, you deal with a life problem. You know, gambling wasn't maybe Mike's problem. Gambling was the solution to being a new father to all those new emotions that come along. So once he realized, like, hey, this is not the right solution to this new life event change, I need to, you know, open my lines of communication. I need to figure out what's, what's going on at the deeper level. Why am I not at ease? What's going on within me that I'm using gambling to escape? Yeah, he very well could have used alcohol, too, but he used gambling. Yeah, and the one thing that we should take out of that is the thing that we all do have in common is it still starts with uh, acknowledging and being honest that you have a problem. Like yeah. he did, he yeah. acknowledged, hey, I've got a problem and took steps. He was talking to a therapist, as he said, took steps yeah. to cure the problem and didn't gamble at all for a period of time. Um, and that that's a good message to hear because I know a lot of people right now can't fathom the concept of, oh, I'm never going to gamble again. Well, not everyone has to be that guy. Like, you know, and I hear a story and I was thinking while he, while he said it, and just, you know, full transparency, I wish I could. I do. I yeah. wish that I could see a game that I have a strong opinion on and uh, and put a bet on it, and that's it, a standalone event, and not chase it, not bet a crazy amount of money, you know, and I know I can't. And, yeah. you know, coming to that realization for me was the most powerful part of my recovery. I can't be Mike. I can't do that. No. I've tried to be like Mike, and I don't want to. I don't want to yeah. echo the old commercials from Michael Jordan, but I can't be like Mike. I've tried. I tried the same thing early in recovery. It was more abstinence, right? I'm white knuckling. Let me just bet us something, right? It doesn't work. My brain is not wired that way to process gambling. So all roads lead to recovery, and you said it so well. You know, we don't we don't advocate or we don't espouse one belief, and we just heard today that this is a unique journey that each person is on. And to hear another perspective only opens our eyes to understand this illness and this disease even more. 
Yeah, and there's no doubt about it. I appreciate it. Listen, we could talk about this for another half hour, but we got a jet. As always, appreciate your time. That's Dan Trelaro, Epic Risk Management. Listen, if you are gambling and it doesn't feel right or you feel like you're gambling to hide other emotions, if you have a friend or a loved one in your life that appears to be gambling in an unhealthy manner or processing, you know, wagering in a manner that just doesn't seem right, it probably isn't. You know, have a conversation, pick up the phone, and try to start uh, the conversation so those people, whether it's you or somebody you care deeply about, does start getting help. Uh, the help is out there. It does exist. Enjoy your Easter, pal. Be good. Good talking to you. You too, brother. Uh, thank you again for listening to Hello, My Name is Craig. Mark Malusis is up next. And then Evan and I are back again Monday at 2 o'clock right here on The Fan. Have a great weekend. Happy Easter. And happy Passover on The Fan.